0: So then,
1: in my mind, that allows me to know if I'm doing too much with it or if I'm making it too simple or if it's in that Goldilocks space. Mm -hmm. And then, usually, my whole process is a mess, guys. (laughs) 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 I'm often the one in my studio to have to restart at the mid-crit
2: level because I have so many different
1: approaches to the building and
2: is, I just can't fit it's Ryan's on. design process the equivalent of Charlie Day it's that Charlie day meme from always sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> like, like here like everything's pinned up around it yes. got this this building that has this one which has this one which has this one which to this one it all makes sense and it's like oh my god <laughs>
1: Two, one. Hello, everybody. My name is Ryan, and you're listening to the Crit Room Podcast. I did it out of order.
0: <laughs> we're keeping
1: it in, Ryan anyways. Is anyways. Yeah. We're keeping, yeah, we're keeping it.
3: Yeah, we're keeping that in. We're going to keep going with it. Bing <laughs> bong. Who, are, who are you? I'm the co host, Albert. <laughs> just Albert. <laughs> <laughs> and if we ask two other people, I don't know who they are. Who are they? <laughs>
4: Zamboni? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's Abby.
1: The it's, one and only. And Sully. The other one and only.
3: Hi, Sully. Hi Sully. Hi Abby. And today,
1: <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we are gonna be talking about the design process. We're gonna expose our own, but also find out your own individual design process. Let's, Let's begin.
3: So <laughs> let's begin the surgery process. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, we're
1: gonna we're gonna start off by first breaking down what a typical design process is and we'll we'll go through the layers and try to figure out some points from there. But Typically how it works, at least in our program, is we start off with being given a prompt or some type of design, design brief. brief yeah, that states what the type of project is, like if it's a housing thing, if it's a boys and girls club type of thing, what the typical type of program is going to be in it and the location of it and maybe some history that the professor has researched beforehand or whatever. And then it's up to us to do additional things, a.k.a start our design process and start to begin to make the project. So we had a little bit of conversation beforehand trying to figure out what we typically start out with first. And it hovered between two different things, but we're going to start off with research further into the project first. So my idea of research into project has changed a lot from first year all the way till now. Mm -hmm. And back in the days, I would say it used to consist mainly of just trying to figure out a lot of precedent studies of what this type of building typology is some cool buildings of that style or typology and then i would maybe additionally research the type of program that may or may not be able to link together or cooler ways of doing those things but then nowadays i feel like it has expanded to a whole different area of research where it's okay they're giving us this site but is there something that the community in this site needs that a project isn't even covering and like Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm very curious to see what your guys's take on that is and is that your first process
2: see more like here Yeah. It's a late night, guys. Give us some credit. For me, I think a lot of it has to do with what the problem for the project is. And that always turns into, for me at least, I I, I find myself researching um, different things based on the problem of each project that I do. So maybe sometimes I'm researching a lot more about the people. Maybe it's a lot more about the typology of the project itself. What it becomes is just... Um, which one like speaks to more what's which one speaks more and which one has more of a story to it
0: mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. I agree. My research usually re- revolves more around the people and like who might be in that space that I'm designing For mm-hmm. essentially what I do is I get the project brief and then I start to think about okay, what kind of story needs to be told for the context and also the client and the people in the space? And so I start writing, and then whenever I find more information, I, I just keep writing and writing and writing. And then as soon as I come up with a solution, I come up with, like, spatial verbs from the written work to inter- start integrating into the massing of my architecture.
3: Mm, maybe so, that's what I'm missing. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, yeah, so just, like, okay, so for example... I did a project that was the San Antonio Museum of New Americans, and it was a museum that existed to tell the stories that were previously untold of the immigrant populations in San Antonio. And because there were so many strong notions of, like, breaking apart and departure and pursuit of a new life, I came up with this massing scheme that was a mass that was broken into two non-symmetrical pieces, and then they were shifted away from each other in pursuit of different directions. And one was lifted higher th- than the other, but still um, they were of the same proportion, representing that they were of the same place, mm-hmm. but one was different than the other. And so whenever I started to learn about the stories of the people that I would be displaying in this museum, it gave me inspiration for like how mm. I was going to approach the massing and the site as well. Mm.
0: So.
1: So your research tends to be a lot more towards the human side of things and trying to figure out more of the communities that you're building is going to be serving than, like, actual building typologies, you would say.
4: Yeah, and I'm always thinking about the presentation from the very beginning and, like, the poetics of the architecture, Mm -hmm. I think. That's a theme in my work. Mm.
1: So you're juggling all these things at the same time?
4: (laughs) I would hope so. (laughs) I don't know. I try.
1: The reason I bring that up is because the whole phrase, design process... Has this connotation to it that you go in a sequence of mm-hmm. stages and it often times is not that case for starting super basic level and mm-hmm. a lot of times for you for me at least you circle back a lot but we still call it a process even though it's still looping back and out of order most times mm-hmm. and especially for me I found that I've never really had a whole sequence in terms of process mm-hmm. I just juggle a whole bunch of things in my brain too for some reason, massing seems to be the thing I want to focus on first. And then like, okay, I should do a bit more research on making sure that massing is justifiable. What is massing? Oh
2: yeah. Mm. What is massing? It's the starting form of your building.
1: Some people call it the basic block. Others would call it more of a more of a sculptural basis thing. But the whole bjork Engels diagrams where it's the white box and then the white box gets sliced in half, and then it shifts in place, or, like, one gets stacked on top of each other. That's the whole idea of massing. Mm
4: -hmm. And is that... I don't entirely believe that's, like, the the right answer for that to be the first thing, either. Because we've also started with other methods, like, beginning with a section drawing and like what we want out Mm -hmm. of the space is sectionally which i think is a really good tactic Mm. but i found the like in the museum project just like since it was such a huge building i found Mm -hmm. that that was an easy way to tackle that to start to begin to think about it and then dive into the inside of the building
1: Mm -hmm. but Oh yeah because then the additional part of the whole massing thing is usually it's a pretty nice tool to allow you to visualize how big the program you're given actually takes up in terms of spatial area and volume where for example you'll be given like cafeteria at a thousand square feet. Okay, I understand a thousand square feet, but how does that look? And then you do a hundred by whatever volume, and then you see that, okay, those proportions are a little weird. How else can I scrap a thousand square feet out of two different or three different measurements? And then you keep going with those types of approaches until you land on amassing that looks appropriate and still Mm. does the same type of programmatic requirements Mm -hmm. i'm that one
2: person that just looks up factors (laughs) like when i get square footages i'm like okay what's the perfect square square footage like factor here to use and you know square root that's i joke around that that's the only time i actually use math in architecture
4: (laughs) i hate that part
2: i hate it so much it's
4: the worst it's so bad i'm like okay i'm gonna need to know how big is this Mm -hmm. and then i usually um, i look at it i'm Okay, we're going to fudge the numbers a little bit because... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, no, because I think, especially going back to that San Antonio project, a lot of what our professor encouraged us to do was argue for different numbers of square footage in our program. She gave us... I can't remember if they gave us a a number to base it off of and we had to argue for a different number or if we had to research a number... And mm-hmm. then justify it later if it was appropriate or not. But in I either know. case, I know other professors have done either of those approaches. Mm-hmm. And for each of those cases, when I would have started out with the massing, that's where the research would proceed that instead to figure out, okay, well, if this building is meant to service X amount of people, that's where the research starts to go in for me to start figuring out, okay, how big of a space does this need to be to service this many people? But also, let me look at images to see if that spatial quality seems to make sense in that case too. Because mm-hmm. it might be a case where it's a huge gym, but then does that gym have to be huge? Or can it be hmm. a different type of gym hmm. that I see like, or inspired by on yeah. some images? Or
4: if you do the research about your, the people who are going to go in the building and you realize like, oh, your professor requested that you put a yoga studio in... But then you do the research and you find out there's not really a need for that. But then there's a need for something else in the community. Maybe it's worth trying to switch that out with something else if your professor allows it. Mm -hmm. Because breaking the rules can be a good thing sometimes. Mm. I think that's
2: needed. Yeah. breaking the
3: rules wins the game mm-hmm. we saw that in ryan's project <laughs> <laughs> i
0: i
1: i took a page from Albert Swick and i bet the rules <laughs> it wasn't inherently against the rules it was just a little bit of uh, exploration of what could be long story short there was a this kind of ties into the research component a bit more too which really influenced a lot of my project actually but um So in the community or the neighborhood that we were building this project, our entire project type itself wasn't necessarily a solution for what the community would have needed. It was more of just the, this is what the client would have wanted us to do anyways, because it's attached to another theater. So it makes sense logically to place another theater related project next to it. So then instead of trying to like completely change the project and everything to make it better, because that In my brain, that would be like completely changing the rules. Like it's not even the same project anymore. For me, it was more thinking outside the box of, okay, how can I make this building at least give back to the community in some way, even though it's not like the perfect answer or the response that the community would need, like a grocery store or something that they don't have access to? What's a different way I could do that? And I saw the opportunity to allow this theater to open up onto the community itself. So that way they could have access to this thing that was being built in their neighborhood that may or may not have the financial access to. So it's not like the perfect situation, but it allowed me to go a bit beyond what our project was asking for and then propose to build on some additional space in the back of a different building that was next to our site in order to incorporate that space that was needed to Mm -hmm. do that type of activity.
3: I guess my research really tends to be like, there's two parts of my research that I always tend to do is I research the site just like the location itself what is it known for what is this what is the place um being used for currently Mm -hmm. and then what are the adjacent spaces that i could potentially use and like take note of and then from there i also look into the the users of the space so like with a simona it was immigrants and it was the story of new americans and so me being a new american i had to really dig deep about what it meant to me to be an immigrant And so I did a lot of research of myself and other people as well, which really took me to a different type of design process that I've never done in my previous projects because the previous projects... I didn't have that much connection to it but this one i did have a lot of connection to it and that's why the project itself was so meaningful to me
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so. you even you even got your citizenship during that project <laughs> yeah. which was really cool
3: yeah yeah we were um. cheering for him when he came back into the class <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like
4: yeah
0: let's go over yeah yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah the two parts from your the built environment and then the second part is the per the people Mm-hmm. and like how both of those tie together is the like the perfect marriage there's not going to be a perfect marriage but there's definitely a way that there's a best answer the best answer in the moment that yeah. you can go for
4: yeah then when you do your research, like something that I found has been pretty successful when my professors get us to do something, Um, it could be it in the past has been like a conceptual art piece or a conceptual section or a conceptual image of what our vision is for the project. And I've always liked that because for me, it's like, I think for a lot of people as well, if you can... Visualize something, you can start to build it and start to like make it make it into a reality, and that it might change over time. It probably will. It should. But getting that first, the essence of the project out in some kind of conceptual way is extremely helpful because it helps you become rooted in your understanding of that place in the project as well.
2: Mm So that was the great thing about like the past two semesters I've had because I really liked how a lot of my the designs that I came up with bring like studio which we're all in like that those came out of like the oh shoot <laughs> <laughs> well it it's okay thank
0: you
1: um
2: it came out of art pieces where i got to think at a deeper level in terms of what these concepts and problems were and what i started to formulate became then the design that i wanted to approach in mm-hmm. it's bigger sense but at the same time, when I reflect on it, it was really hard for me to manifest that as a building. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, it's difficult.
2: So then when we had another studio, <laughs> the mm-hmm. studio after, and how we did actually more of an architecture-based mm-hmm. visualization project mm-hmm. where we designed sections where those stories came up through like the architecture, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was a lot easier for me to then go throughout the semester having a clear mind of what the design ideas were. Mm-hmm. So you got rid of that more abstract middle ground for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was quick to figure, yeah, not now in hindsight, I do wish I maybe, like Albert did a really good job of, you still integrate your... (laughs) 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 the previous professor. Integrating the artwork into into, uh, your design.
3: So that's what I was missing though, was the 3D aspect of it, because space is not two dimensional, it's three dimensional. And so me not doing a three dimensional model of a concept was what took me longer to understand what I was, what my form was going to be.
4: Yeah and well and that's actually what that professor that you you that you talked about did for us is the progression started with a 10 by 10 flat piece of art about the essence of the site and then a 10 by 10 more sculptural mm-hmm. piece of art And for me, which this has been extremely beneficial in my interviews because it clearly shows the process of of moving from two D to three D conceptual into the architecture. It was taking those ideas from the two D, making them into spatial ideas, but also like in in a very abstract way, and then finally translating it into the architecture. Which that has been my favorite method of schematic design, and I it also helps me because I'm really into like the art side architecture Mm -hmm. and the Mm
3: -hmm.
4: creative side and so it's been helping me connect back to my creative side and i've been liking Mm
3: -hmm. it a lot it's a breath of fresh air that's yeah yes like because you do at least with our year we do so many computerized stuff that giving getting to draw and like model stuff by our hands Mm -hmm. is a breath of fresh air for sure Mm -hmm. i think for me at least Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know, like in terms of research, how do you know what to look up in terms of research, right? We go back to the people. Mm. What do you you look up based on the project brief itself so that you can learn to understand what the people need?
4: Always go beyond the project brief. (laughs) For example, so we just recently did a competition and the project brief was essentially saying bring this community together and then the history lies in i think it was a slovakian community like Mm -hmm. the history was born from a slovakian community and now it's a bunch of fragmented uh different groups of people and so you should acknowledge the past but also celebrate the future and so like that was it was a pretty if i'm remembering this right it, Mm -hmm. it was a pretty vague brief and through our research. One would say that we might have wasted a lot of time just looking things up on the computer, but I think we came out with a very compelling story because we did the most research. And what we found is essentially like the community, the history that the brief was talking about was just one small piece of a lot of other historical events mm-hmm. that had happened in that place. Mm-hmm. And it never connected to the current population that lives there that was like primarily Latin X, And so... We had to figure out a way to incorporate the changes that had happened in that city into our design because we were never we never got that from the project brief and it was a very quick competition too. So like yeah, it, it would have been easy to just read the brief, put it down, and just start working because it would have put us at an advantage. But we definitely had to go in and like do our own research about what this place looks like now because we weren't at the actual place.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And so I think looking into like recent events. News stories, just like community, looking into Facebook groups, finding community groups, like trying to get in what the essence of that place is. If you can't be there, like looking to social media, walking around on Google Earth, mm-hmm. just like doing the bare minimum.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That research also just changed our complete view on the project, and you could see with other people that they were. We noticed that people, other people's projects in the charrette were the complete opposite of what should have been done as the solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I would say, like, when we came up with this project, like, when we came up with our story, there was a sense of anti gentrification and finding ways to celebrate the people that are within it already and Mm -hmm. their future but then the people that were creating the, their projects and designs and seeing those and their presentations they were like very progent. It was just very much wow, this is not yeah. solving the problem. This is actually <laughs> incorporating to the problem rather than solving the problem. Oh my know? gosh, yeah. So, it was so intru- I'm so happy that we got to do that, but then I'm like starting to relive the stress of like I, <laughs> I was trying to no, do the second no, half. No, no, like it, was 12 no it was a 12-hour it was a 12-hour research it was a 12-hour design
3: shred competition. We were shaking turning
4: that <laughs> thing in. Yeah. But no tea, no shade actually though one of the components we found was that so the site was right below a highway bridge and we, the highway bridge was what had cut off the site from the rest of the city mm-hmm. and essentially fragmented the city mm-hmm. and 3 of 3 or 4 of the projects that turned in were bridges and they a bridge one won the project We're like guys didn't you learn anything i don't know but we,
2: well, we almost did a bridge too though. which is good that we but didn't we did you know, <laughs> we didn't we did cuz
4: we did our research
2: yeah
3: yeah that our story was really good but the we go back to the idea of research right research being the most important part mm-hmm. we didn't mm-hmm. show research we
2: just bunch of arc talk I, yeah, I get, we
4: did a lot of talk like talk Architecture. Mm-hmm. This is
2: me being just uh, I don't want to get on this offset and rant, but like I think <laughs> I think we were really early in presentations and I feel like if we were later on in presentations, we could have low key roasted. There the was other not people. enough
4: objectivity
2: yeah. to do mm. The dog yeah. walker. The filthy but we dog
3: actually solves. If you're listening, the if if you're the person that was walking your dog
4: during our review.
3: Don't mm. walk your dog and- during a review. <laughs> You signed up for this. <laughs> You're going <laughs> to um,
4: get canceled.
0: <laughs>
1: oh no.
3: Didn't even get off the air. And boom, <laughs> shut down. Oh, no. Man's no. was half asleep. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I
1: think research itself, in the the whole entirety of the design process, is the thing that will set your project apart from the rest of your peers in your studio, oh, yeah. and especially if it's done independently. But collaborative research is really important too, in terms of you can get a lot of ground covered in a shorter amount of time, mm-hmm. and it's easier for your group to arrive on a, a relatively agreeable basis or agree upon the general context of what this project is mm-hmm. now that you've done your research. So yeah. then you can go from there as a base and excel upwards to yeah. a better idea.
3: I think that's what's so great about our project was just we saw all these with the design shred. We saw all these problems that we saw in the community, right? And then we, based on our research, we were like, oh, this is how we can solve it. Mm-hmm. And it's through kids. It's through children. Because they don't have the same
4: Preconceptions. preconception,
3: preconception, mm-hmm. social baggage as adults do. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Well, we we would.
3: Hope
4: <laughs> <laughs> we're operating under the assumption that children mm-hmm. were the catalyst for social change.
1: Speaking of concepts, you guys were mentioning that a lot earlier on, and then for some of our listeners who may not really understand what a concept is quite yet, they've heard about it in studio, they've heard about it being thrown around across other channels, and just what to you is a design concept, and what justifies or dictates a good design concept versus a bad design concept.
3: Mm. Saying something about that. He was like, it's not necessarily a concept, it's just a group of ideas that can create architecture. I don't know.
4: When did he say that?
3: After we turned in our exercise zero, mm-hmm. that's when he was like concept, but not really. He was saying concept, but some people don't really understand concept, So it was just like a group of ideas that dictate mm-hmm. how your architecture works. Yeah.
4: Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I guess what he, the way that he thinks about it is where you have your quote unquote concept, but then that informs an architectural Language of how things Mm -hmm. get put together and how the idea is carried through the entire architecture from like the program and the organization of space all the way through the details.
2: Yeah, in the ideal world, the architectural concept is something I've grown to understand because of our professor this semester. Is that sure? You can have that story and conceptual story and have a diagram that shows your party in terms of what essence you're trying to bring, but that's not the concept. Mm-hmm. Your concept is how that manifests as architecture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get that until, like, the last day. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, I didn't put something it, down it, like that?
4: It can be hard, too, because, like, if you take that very literally and you're saying, like, oh, my concept is... Gosh.
2: Being grounded. <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh. <laughs> Throw them under the bus. No. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm trying to burden. think. Like, okay, so if your concept is, oh, I want to lift some social burdens off of the people in my building so i'm gonna put the building on stilts it's like hmm, okay don't don't maybe don't take things that literally
3: yeah. like i don't know that right oh no my design
4: <laughs> well i mean you can i guess that's how you tell your story as well you can get away with that
1: if you... Because well, no, a uh, way that I've heard about it, and it makes sense to me, but it, when it got brought into the language of movies and filmmaking, when you're introducing this entire new universe, like, for example, Star Wars or whatever, the whole concept, how they described it was the rules of the universe and how it operates. For example, no one's gonna outright mm. deny that, oh, spaceships can just go to light speed or whatever. When you're watching a movie, everyone just, oh, this can happen now, okay, cool, I'm interested to hear it. Mm. But it's more about the ways of how the story writer interprets the rules of what this universe operates in, which is mm. like the rules itself way. being the concept in a way. If you, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a better way to describe it, but it's-
4: It's the canon. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) Create the canon for your architecture.
1: Yeah. For example, what Abby was saying, like, you're trying to create this idea of uplifting or whatever. That whole idea of, okay, how can you make things, like, explore what it means to be more in depth about uplifting. Does that literally mean to raise up the building? It can let's start there and we'll see what happens so that becomes like the first rule so okay how can we make things feel like they're lighter or how can we make things feel like they're taller than what they probably do what mm-hmm. uplifting uplifting yeah, yeah or yeah. like you
4: think about it in terms of structure like maybe you don't have heavy like massive structure but you have light filigree structure Yeah. And-
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's like setting those rules so okay this rule is everything has to be the anti-heavy grounded all this other stuff mm-hmm. so then the rules to regulate the rest of your design all the way through.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: See, I'm going to get on my thing real quick. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> go off. Yeah. I, I did like, it's pretty much that. I did something very literal to start because I I was addressing uh, a design inability for me sometimes to take something that's a little bit more, like, complex in terms of a concept and, like, develop it in terms of an architectural canon. So I went for something very, li- like, I knew the time constraint we had this semester. So I was just like, you know, I'm going to try to do this more of a grounded but uplifting. And so it's oh. like.
0: <laughs> that was your actual concept?
2: Yes. Did you not hear it? Like, yes. grounded space but uplifting architecture. I, I thought
4: it was just the grounded thing.
2: Oh, I grounded the building to start oh. it. You know? That's what Brian said. Let's ground the yeah. building and start it.
4: Oh no, I feel <laughs> terrible.
2: Well, that's why. Anyways.
4: <laughs> but you no, didn't put your but, building on
2: stilts. No, so, so I yes. didn't know my building did stilts, but I did the opposite. I just sunk it in.
4: <laughs> Sully's
2: anyway. project was really good. But, though. anyways, I yeah. didn't. I, I went further into it. I was like, mm-hmm. how do I subvert the space of grounded? Because I want it to feel like a grounded building on the outside, but on the inside, it's going to create our art- uplifting thing. So, a construction of it. Was more uplifting as a wood frame mm-hmm. construction mm-hmm. you have like structural elements within it that create uplifting yeah. spaces and even then even though you like you sunk it
3: in you also carved out spaces so that the spaces get light and mm-hmm. and so there yes. are
4: spaces so. to breathe where you mm-hmm. can
3: mm-hmm.
4: it's uplifting
2: sorry literal <laughs> but I, it's like how do you literal formally is an option you can do but it's just you should go into that effort don't stop, there. Don't keep stop there keep exploring keep exploring yeah
4: mm-hmm. I mean mine was also like you can say that about mine too. like it was very literal in terms of we're providing autonomy and control. so then for the users, so then that means we're breaking up the building into autonomous parts.
2: So yeah, like your con- like your cons, I, I, I could talk about this a bit, but like I think yours in a way is a lot about you're addressing the problem of what is the program we're studying. What is wrong about the domestic violence shelter and how mm-hmm. can we change it with the co-housing? So all your formal strategies were coming up with way the it's the solution. Each thing is. Do you guys want to give background? We could give background. (laughs) Yeah. So um, the project that we did do um, was the idea of this co-housing project in Topeka, Kansas, and it was revolves around the survivors of domestic violence. So a lot of the program was complex, not only because we had to provide housing and communal spaces for these families, but also it had some community engagement. Um, program within it so there's a daycare there's advocacy offices there was um, a secondary program we could choose but this all came together it's like how do we make this concept and it it stays Mm -hmm. with the families all of us were like well it's very important like we could introduce the community engagement aspect but it was all about the families and Mm -hmm. how that the public of Topeka and then those families interacted so yeah I think mine was literal in terms of architectural concept, because I did a whole thing where I where I liked that I was writing down things, and then I came across mm-hmm. an architectural word, and I started thinking about how that word can articulate in terms of architecture.
4: Yeah, that's that's my process too, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So then, and then I think yours, and how you did your form and your concept, it was very much solving these problems. Like, each move you made was a solving of the problem, and that's what came up with your building. Which was really cool. But doing it in the rules
1: of your concepts. Yeah, it yes. wasn't
4: like a series of, oh, I solved this problem, but that created a bunch of other ones. It was more systematic, thinking big picture, and then making three moves to solve the problem. Because mm-hmm. looking at
3: projects
1: so much. <laughs> <laughs> but because okay, looking at it on the other side of it, where if you don't create the rules for your architecture with the concepts then you arrive at something that doesn't seem very cohesive or coherent all the way through, which is a problem that I had with my second year final project where the central idea was the same, but then the quote unquote concepts or the rules that I had didn't apply to the rest of my building and Mm -hmm. stuff, which is why it didn't make sense when I was talking about it. And I got very frustrated when I was presenting it because I know these are good solutions, but they don't agree with each other. They're not following the canon or they're not following the rules (laughs) of this concept that I talked about at the beginning. And then that's why all the jurors were flaming my design because they're like, you have all these things that you're saying, but you're not actually doing those like you said in your concepts, And I'm like, ah, you're so right.
3: Ah.
1: <laughs> you hate it when the jurors hate yeah. right, uh. So it's like there's a billion different ways to do something and solve the problem, but then how is it going to follow your rules, your concepts? And then that's, to me, what dictates a good one versus a bad one, mm. which is if you can apply that concept to the rest of your solutions for the projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it called?
2: Porky? <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Dunno. <Don't know. laughs> so ultimately a good concept should have some form of architectural conversation or just some vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That should... drives all your scales of your project. Yes. Mm-hmm. And
4: it should be rooted in place and research. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another good
1: point that talking to my first year is about, which is thinking about it in hindsight from a fourth year perspective, looking back down on first year. In our program, you learn up learning all about like the Chang books. And then having to learn all these architecture rules. So here's regulating lines. Here's data. Hierarchy. Here's hierarchy. It's yeah. the order. Here's the s- sequence Repetition. of spaces. Repetition. Rhythm. All these like. Ar-
4: Introverted. <laughs>
1: Extroverted.
4: <laughs> datum a big
1: word. Yeah, <laughs> the architecture buzzwords and stuff. And your
4: first year is essentially one vocabulary year.
1: Yeah. Essentially, the task for first year is to use all these vocabulary words and create concepts using those words and then That's
3: so difficult
1: yeah it's very, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
3: very difficult for me as well
1: yeah because what you learn throughout the rest of the years in our program is that those vocabulary words aren't the concepts and it's also, just a way of doing a way of organizing your thoughts and applying them to yes, your project facts yeah.
4: and also 90 90 percent 99% of the world isn't going to know what the heck you're talking about when you use that kind of mm-hmm. vocabulary in language. Like other architects will, but like when you get further along the program, your clients are real people that your professor brings in. And you yeah. can't just be like, so I organized everything along the datums of the street. No one's going to know what that is. Yeah. So,
3: yeah. Imagine like presenting your project and your client is like, the concept is hierarchy. Like,
4: They're like, wait, <laughs> so. <laughs> wait.
1: What? <laughs> yeah. But there are, as I described it to my first years is all those vocabulary words are tools in your design toolbox to make your building or your project become a thing based off of your concept. Mm-hmm. For example, the whole idea of, again, we we'll use lifting up or whatever, instead of thinking about it as your vocabulary words of like... Oh.
4: Yeah, so uh, that's no, a great application. So with the uplifting thing, okay, maybe you indicate hierarchy of certain spaces by lifting them up.
1: Yeah, yeah. So then, you yeah, again, just applying your rules and the tools to make those rules mm-hmm. apply to your design is how you can start to compose this cohesive architecture project. <laughs> People will start to understand it a bit more because those rules are understood by other architects and design professionals, but they're understood visually by other normal people. For example, regulating lines of repetition. People don't think about that on the street or whatever, but they can tell if something has a pattern to it by looking at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They can tell if something is having this regulating line or, like, it's
3: all aligned on something by looking at mm-hmm. it. They don't know what it's called, but they know it when yeah. they see it. I was talking to your mom and dad about this, um, about Abby's project, actually, after you guys were all done presenting. I um, They talked to me about um, why Abby started shifting stuff with her, like, her bungalows. And they were like, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. But then when she explained why she shifted the idea of shifting architecturally – they started to understand why mm-hmm. she shifted it. And it was because of the ideas of autonomy within the whole place and then creating those moments for those the users as well. But his parents are not like architectures, <laughs> but architecture <laughs> professionals, but they understood the ideas. I appreciated yeah. it a lot.
4: That's like the whole thing where you see the cheesy poster that's good design is never seen because it's like if things are all aligned and like the panels on a wall are aligned with the panels on the floor You wouldn't really notice that But um, if you see like an outlet that's in a random ass place mm-hmm. and it's badly designed You're going to notice that like mm-hmm. it's not aligned on a regulating line It's not designed within <laughs> the system It's like,
3: yeah modern <laughs> architects <laughs> The stair
2: goes to nowhere <laughs> What if you challenged the yes. idea of a
3: staircase?
2: I mean, it could go nowhere <laughs> it just goes to a wall <laughs> i was going to say good oh architecture no, not
4: isn't not the van of
2: <laughs> <laughs> good architecture isn't seen because you when you design good things and integrate all the systems together well
4: Yeah, like it should all
2: interweave really well, and you shouldn't have to really see those things.
4: Yeah, like shout out Roman Mars from ninety nine percent (laughs) invisible. Notice us, please. (laughs) (laughs) No, but his whole his book is is all about like things within design in the street that we don't notice and how well they function and work together Hmm. and that just makes me think about there are so many things that are designed to just function well and not be necessarily noticed by people and what we do notice usually is like things that are out of place because they're different and they don't follow the the same order that we are used to Mm -hmm.
1: and then that same thing applies to when your concept isn't coherent in your project if everything else follows it but then something else is out of place you notice that one thing and it becomes the quote unquote flaw to your project because it's no longer following your rules or whatever Mm -hmm. and then the last thing i wanted to touch on in terms of the concept too is like abby was just hinting at it but or or abby i can't remember was hinting at the idea of why Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. and then the why is one of those things where when you're going through your project it filters back into the previous thing and what's so called the standard process of your design or whatever Mm -hmm. where you're the way your details are in your project relates back to why you chose to do it because of your development phase, which is why you chose to do it from your schematics, which is why you chose to do it from your conceptual standpoint, which is what you gathered from your research, mm-hmm. which is the ultimate why you're doing
2: this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I hope that made sense. <laughs> the, <laughs> it's
4: like a giant funnel.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the the what, why, how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember that. Mm-hmm. The what is your concept. The why is why is it. Why is this concept tying back to your story? Mm-hmm. And the how is how is it. Of being applied to all the scales. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's that's perfect. So, I didn't realize that this is something we talked about <laughs> uh, last semester.
4: We had a jazz musician and like, to in, in our studio and he was like talking about improvisation mm-hmm. and how like excuse me for saying like so much. <laughs> oh. I know someone and one of our professors is gonna slapped.
0: kill me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> but when he said
0: Get how abused. like
4: <laughs> we <laughs> Just get well, when we hear improv, it's very crazy and we don't necessarily understand it, but the same jazz musicians use that same toolbox uh, and they have a certain canon to their improv based on the song and then the key signature that it's in and all these different factors. Mm-hmm and he always says to his students what you base what if, that
2: on? What would you base it on? Yeah, yeah. Wh- based on what,
4: based on, yeah, what? Mm. Students, based on what? Yeah, he always says to the students based on what. And that should be true for architecture as well.
2: Yeah. Okay. That goes into a couple of things and we can talk about like precedents. Yeah. But I also think that ties in order in architecture you kind of have to ha- you have to have that order to be the objective versus the form and function which is the subjective like these things. Mm-hmm. Once you have something objectively down in order and the geometry um that's what allows you to then create those build those ideas Mm -hmm. and through the form and function of your building
1: yeah and then the last point on the whole why thing too is establish your why from the very beginning of your process which is why it's so critical to get it right during your research is to know why you're doing this project in the first place Mm -hmm. that then sets up your entire project for success later on so you don't have to post rationalize later on which I get into the habit of a lot
3: in the previous <laughs> semesters
1: of how this all happens.
3: <laughs> Not Ryan asking everyone, how do I present my project? <laughs> oh. it's like, why did
4: I do this again?
0: It's like there's a lot of things
1: too where a lot of my process at least is hidden in the back of my brain where the guiding things to my overall design is there and it has its roots in understandings of how it connects back to my concepts and everything. Mm-hmm. I just Never verbally ask myself the question why I'm doing this. It's all just subconscious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then that's where the post-rationalization usually comes out later on for a lot of people I know, but especially me, where it's like, okay, this somehow coincidentally lined up. And then three weeks later, you're looking at it like, oh, no, that's why I did it. Because this connected to that, which connected to that. And like domino effect all the way back forward (laughs) into that's why I did that mm. there we that's go that's why
4: I my pro, my design process is writing a narrative mm-hmm. that's very important for me the so same that for that me I, as well I would, yeah. I
2: would encourage it because the why that the, in creating a narrative in terms of your why allows uh-huh. you it gives you motivation yeah that's mm-hmm. the thing that prevails your drive to continue through a project mm-hmm. um and it allows you, yeah, you might feel stuck or feel like you'll lose encouragement, but it once you go back to that why, it can re what mm-hmm. you, like, your design. Mm-hmm. And I
3: think this is what we did for our previous semester, which was we wrote one to three sentences about our concept, and then every time we would get lost, we go back to those three sentences, yes. and we'd be like, this is what we're striving for. And if it doesn't it doesn't fit in these three sentences and the why... Get rid of We'd it. get rid of it. It was that what, why, how, yeah. or Each fix sentence it was with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. how.
4: it's the don't force it mentality. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and she would enforce us to have it written out on a sticky note or a note card and like mm-hmm. taped in front of our desk, so we had to look at it every single time.
3: Yeah, and every day we would recite that, that th- recite those three <laughs> sentences every day.
1: It sounds a bit obsessive, but it really works. Oh
4: uh, well, also because we a lot of us had to start out with more of six or seven sentences and then over a few class periods then we got down to the essence of two or three sentences being our concept
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and then briefly before we move on to schematic and then development stuff i wanted to touch on the whole precedent thing too because for example this ties in a little bit more earlier with the uh, research component and the concept too but um, I know you guys are talking that you're heavily influenced in your process with researching things about like people in the community and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then though I, I also have a pretty heavy portion of my process that's also indicative of how humans and people communities relate to the project itself. A lot of how my brain works when trying to create buildings and spaces is trying to find precedence of other things in the past. Because I have a very engineering type of brain where I like to look at what existed before and how to make it better
0: mm-hmm. than it
1: used to be in the previous versions or find the best things of this design, find the best things of this design. Use those three senses in order to inspire a newer version of both of those things combined uh-huh. until it becomes something original and new that becomes my own personal precedent that I look at for myself to create this mm-hmm. building moving forward. So going back in on my process again too, a lot of my stuff is inspired from, I hate to admit it, but like Arc Daily and Pinterest, looking at all the interesting looking buildings, because to me at least, again, going back to the idea that most people aren't going to understand the architecture languages and vocabulary words, but they see a good design and they know what good design looks like. Mm -hmm. So with that visceral motion in mind, knowing that if I see something good and then I'm able to pair that with the
2: good like architectural concept too, then it's going to make a powerhouse of a project. Mm. I'll advertise Ryan. He has a good base of understanding building precedents and how it integrates yeah. into their sure. design very well thank you very well done <laughs> and i think for sure for sure that way of approaching a project is also a really cool way to go about it sometimes approaching the problem of the project is looking at the typology of the project the Mm. building itself and seeing what can be improved like that's how i approached my farm i did a farmer's market project and i a lot of our research came out of researching the presidents and seeing the typology and it looks really cool by the way i liked it thank you but that that was a different approach to my project in that sense that it was i was trying to see what the site called for in terms of a farmer's market and how i could solve it in my own way
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. but
3: yeah
2: i feel like they're both very valid ways yeah. it. Yeah, I, and I also just not great with precedence
3: i'm at all. not great <laughs> with precedence every time I'm, oh man this is why i need to do like concept models it's just like the concept <laughs> models inform how my building will be experientially but it doesn't inform what the outside would look like mm-hmm. right?
0: yeah
3: i'm a very sh-
4: yeah I know what you're going to
3: say. Yeah, like, Abby and I are very similar in that aspect. I I think we
4: both start with the inside out. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I I got into that with our, yeah, that spring semester studio. Mm -hmm. It was very much internal thinking. Yeah.
3: What are the spaces inside going to feel, look like, and just be in, and then... That informs like the activities inside those spaces informs what the outside would look like but then i have a hard time bridging those two aspects so that's why it's hard for me to understand the precedence part aspect yeah mm-hmm. right and that's where my method or the method that i use has a
1: bit of a caveat to it that i've found recently after talking to a couple of different people and coming out of the semester previously is when you're looking at precedents, it's really important to analyze all the precedents that you're planning on using for your project and getting inspired from because if you're just looking at something for the bare reason that it's cool looking, it's not going to turn out too well in your project later on because again, you had to remind yourself of why are you going to include this precedent in your project? Yeah. Because if you're there's zero reason to it other than it looks cool, then that's gonna be the part in your project that doesn't follow the rest of your rules. Like if you yeah. remember back to earlier in the podcast. Mm-hmm. So then recently I had a moment like this where I was talking with Albert about the cladding that I was using for outside of my black box, where I had a it came from a good intention of I saw a precedent, it had a really cool look to it where it had these panels that had led lights underneath them. So from an outside effect, it looked like the panels were glowing and creating this light box feature. So that way it became a beacon for the community to go to. But then even though that reason was still there, it didn't match the rest of the context and the rest of the why in the project or follow the same rules, which was brick in the project that I was using materiality wise. But then the precedent I found was using metal. So these two different clashing things. And I was constantly trying to post-rationalize why this metal should be able to fit because it looks really cool and I know it's going to be a really cool solution to this problem. But then ultimately, I scrapped it in favor of using the material that I had before, which was brick, and just trying to figure out a
2: different way to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. This is a question for you, Ryan, because you're really good at this. Like, Is one building okay for just a precedent to do a project? And if not, well, I mean, another question could be, like, when is too many buildings for precedence too much. Like, Mm -hmm. when does a building become a Frankenstein building because you use so many different kinds of buildings to create something that... The
4: curse of the Pinterest. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
2: Yes. (laughs) No, that's... I still don't think
1: I have that completely perfect yet. Again, I (laughs) just was able to catch myself getting into that Frankenstein approach until I snuck myself out of it with that... A cladding thing I was just talking about. But that's, again, going back to the importance of being able to analyze each mm-hmm. precedent that you decide to use. You have to, as an architect in general, just be extremely critical of everything that you think about, which is why a lot of the times we get clowned on for being in studios so long, like, why are you guys working so hard to like, you just sit at a computer and do like drawings all day? Well, it's because we're thinking for so long and hyperly critically thinking about yeah. every solution or every decision that we make in the project to make sure that it makes sense at the end. Mm. So getting to your question, the short answer is, I feel when I have enough information to start to form the rules of my building is when I stop looking at more precedents, or if I get stuck on certain parts of my project is when I start to look at other ones. So. A general rule of thumb that I like to look at is first I start with the typology Mm -hmm, of the building. mm -hmm. I look at about four to five, maybe even six or seven different buildings, and I create almost like a mood board just to get the general, I guess, essence of what I want the building to look like in terms of what's the form look like. I'm going to find two or three forms that I think are interesting to approach this project as. Then I'm going to find something that matches the materiality that I'm looking for to match the context and the rest of the like structure that I'm planning on using. And then I'm going to find one that tends to look a bit more stylistically. Is there certain types of rules? Is it going to be like a lot of pattern-based or is it going to be very monolithic mm. and just whatever? And then once I start to have the board, then I start to go through and think critically about, mm. okay, these three forms... These two look really cool, but this one seems to work the best with what this material is going to offer me. Mm-hmm. And I like this material the most because it matches the context. Mm-hmm. So then that crosses out like five uh, or six different buildings. Okay,
3: so essentially, you're, so you're really like, like the context is there's bricks around everywhere. So I'm going to try to look for brick material yeah. buildings. Yeah, mm-hmm. And then there's also like yeah okay I understand where well you're also
4: whenever from, you said about looking into typologies Pinterest is a really good tool but you when you start looking into the typology mm. your brain is gonna start making its own filter yeah. and like you're not gonna be looking at a bunch of different things that aren't cohesive you're gonna start piecing together parts of a typology
3: that you've already been able to recognize through your research which
2: mm. be really good that's cool.
3: Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Now I'm going to take it. (laughs) Hey, great architect steal.
1: Yes. (laughs) No, but that method has helped me a lot with creating. For example, I like to create buildings that are relatively iconic looking, not in like an egotistical way, but ones that people can recognize right away from a typology standpoint. But also like the rule that I was talking to one of my own studio mates about is I feel that you have a great facade if you're able to draw it in under 10 seconds. Like, super simplistically, obviously. Like, if I told you to draw the Guggenheim Museum, you would know exactly what to do. You'd draw like the three different concentrical
3: rounded. How parts. would you draw that? Would you draw it sectionally? I would draw it <laughs> sectionally. Really? I'm the type of person that draws things in section. <laughs>
4: Okay. Yeah. No, okay, I'm
3: just kidding. It's hard to draw I'm just that. It's hard to draw that like <laughs> an axon.
4: I would draw the three I do bars in his like I would draw a little tornado shape. Yeah, like that. the yeah. tornado shape yeah, with the box in the
1: background. So yeah. The silhouette type of thing. Yeah. So then cool. in my mind that allows me to know if I'm doing too much with it or if I'm making it too simple or if it's in that Goldilocks space. Mm-hmm. And then usually from, my whole process is a mess, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I am,
1: I'm often the one in my studio to have to restart at the mid crit
2: level because I have so many different
1: approaches to the building and is, I just
2: can't fit is Ryan's on. design process the equivalent of Charlie Day it's that Charlie Day meme from Always Sunny in Philadelphia yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like here like everything's pinned up around and yes. this, this building has this one which ties to this one which ties to, to this one which has to this one it all makes sense and it's like oh my god <laughs> but, but no, also like, like you don't show it though too it's just yeah. all going on in your head
3: which is crazy but that's no, like, crazy I couldn't do that <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like my Abby and I were saying where they start from the inside and work outwards, I often find myself jumping back and forth at least four times in a day. Being like, okay, I know I usually start with the floor plan and everything overall. Mm. And then I move into, okay, how does that look formally? And if it looks like absolute, then I'll change the way these things are laid out because obviously aesthetics are important in architecture mm-hmm. still. So then once I go about a few, few different iterations of that, then that's when i say okay i have a good layout so i feel confident with how that lays out logistically and everything mm-hmm. then i'll start to get into the form that's okay cool looks nice and then i'll get into the
2: facade design and everything mm. and see if it starts to unravel itself that's we've kind of leaked our way into schematic but i'm going to if we're going to leak into schematic yeah, i'm going go to all the way in. i'm going to do the thing where i say um i've learned that starting with plan kind of sucks mm. you should start with section yes that's what I, I, think... I missed out this semester <laughs> I think section I've learned from the Pat my this year I guess mm-hmm. now that I've just created so much better I've created be- much better buildings when I've thought in section-hmm <laughs> that and thought about the space within Mm -hmm. in that sense in a scale that's more about the human Mm -hmm. like looking versus bird's eye view looking at a per like bird's eye looking at a space because you just interpret it better yeah that and i've also
1: had two experiences in a row where i've been uh putting the sections of my presentation before the plans Mm -hmm. especially like it first started with the simona one Mm -hmm. and then the jurors were like, I liked how you put the sections in front of the plans because I felt like I could understand how the building was laid out more than the actual ah. floor plans. So I'm like, Whoa
0: Yeah because really?
4: we experienced That was on accident, but yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so then I took that to like my competition presentation this time and it still I think had a good effects mm-hmm. after on too, especially now that this one is doing so much more complex things in section mm-hmm. that mm-hmm.
2: you just can't interpret in the plan anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But
1: that's interesting how you thought about that, Silly. Yeah.
2: I mean yeah your buildings your bil- your building spoke really well in section and mm. elevation and I think those drawings were like the strong like those were very strong like mm-hmm. in your in your presentation
3: I had a hard time doing things in plan this semester Cause like the idea of introversion and extroversion, you're sick Like man. I s- Sully saw this was like he he saw me struggle this semester. This
2: dude this dude changed the color of his rhino background so he could feel more productive. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, like he did blue oh, he no. did blue because it looks like a blueprint. And then me with my watermelon colors, uh, <laughs> green faded to purple. I'm like, what is going on here? I need to change back to gray. <laughs> Anyways, I just have the defaults. <laughs>
3: You just have defaults.
4: I'm a default girl.
3: A um. Default. Oh, this is how you win a mango. Yes. Okay, I gotta go back. Yeah, go back. We're going I back.
4: Because go. I spend go. more time actually doing my work. <laughs>
3: the <laughs> background <laughs> colors. <I'm
2: so laughs> what is some turquoise blue? I also you learned that in rhino. Blue. I learned <laughs> in rhino that you can use an image. Yeah. As a backdrop. That was. Funny. <laughs> that was creepy. <laughs> oh no. I learned in schematic though. Like I have
3: multiple different forms that end up coming out of the idea of the concept like actual forms or you're saying what like massing forms okay. type of stuff <laughs> and then the ice crap whichever ones are the most garbage and then keep the ones that have the most that bears the most fruit, and then go into a, a tree where you split them up into different types of forms again and then see which one works the best <laughs> i don't know Plans are hard for me. I like to think in sections. Yeah.
4: yeah, that I think well, I was talking about this earlier, but I love doing like some kind of artistic conceptual thing in the beginning hmm. of a project when I'm also doing my research because then those two things c- collide, but hmm. this this semester we did a section along with our research mm-hmm. and it was a conceptual section and I really liked it. I used like collage style rendering to get the essence of it across and that's what kicked my project off mm-hmm. i liked that method i think i'm i think i'm starting to find my process through doing some kind of artistic thing mm-hmm. in the beginning
2: yes
3: that professor from last semester opened a new box for me mm-hmm.
0: yes oh, well, i high. also <laughs> had a,
4: a professor previous that um did that with watercolors Mm. And that really sparked that for me too. And right. so, so then, like going into the right. next and professor, professor and then into this professor, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It was, it's been really good.
2: I think we that's had a professor what... that did charcoal renders with us, mm. and that, yeah. in a way, was like mm-hmm. an introduction. I but... think that's what. Um, that professor was trying to get us for us in our studio
3: Mm -hmm. during that time but we didn't understand because this man just said just sketch and I'm like what am I supposed to sketch and (laughs) he was too big brain for us (laughs) (laughs) we
0: we couldn't
1: connect to him on a second grade or a second uh, year basis second grade (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's how it felt (laughs) it really
3: did feel like that the man's was actually right though like you need to think creatively and just just start sketching no matter how bad it is sketch and then we'll pin it up and then talk about it yeah. it also
2: looks good on your presentations. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ryan's really good at making sketches <laughs>
3: I was gonna say that's a little
1: outside of the, the process part of itself but it is a good point to bring up that well I'll put it this way so it still ties in with the cop or topic but so before even touching the computer I like to draw out as much as I can by hand so that way I can see everything that I want to do and I'm not already need to figure out numbers and for example sketching out a simple box on a piece of paper is super easy for me to do. But then to go into Rhino or something, or some type of modeling program, I know how to immediately put dimensions to this box, and I don't even know Mm -hmm. what that box to Mm -hmm. be yet. So then to me, that's a constraint early on. So I like to do everything on paper because I don't have to figure out the height of things. I don't have to think about it that way. So it has a little bit of drawbacks because later you have to figure out all the errors of your sketch and you drew your floors way too thin but then in the actuality you can't make your floors that thin so then mm-hmm. you have a little bit of error with how you're drawing of your elevation looks versus your actual elevation looks so mm-hmm. it's a bit of a and con but yeah it's yeah. faster for me to get ideas out on paper yeah. and it looks good on presentations when you show them that process work mm-hmm. when it's done by hand
0: mm-hmm.
4: yeah i think technology does have some prohibitive pro- qualities to it like for example so over break my dad he's a contractor and he's like oh i want to like tear the roof off our house put this <laughs> on it put giant windows in blah blah and then i show i show him my project he's like you can make that? <laughs> and then he goes, okay, can you do this and this and this for me? And I'm, like, trying to show him, like, how exactly how tedious yeah. using our software are. I'm like, okay, what's the length of this wall? What's mm-hmm. the length of the inside of that wall? What's the height of the ceiling? Yeah. Okay, now I have to type it all in. And he, and he started to realize how, how tedious things are. It's not yeah. just a matter of drawing and erasing. Mm-hmm. It's, like, so much goes into that, mm-hmm. so yeah
2: talk about open concept (laughs) we're taking off the roof and the
1: ceiling
2: the ceiling is the roof and they're not there
1: (laughs) the nature of schematic phase basically just being iterations and going back and fixing problems that you find out later in that schematic process Mm -hmm. when it gets to the development what do you guys tend to typically start out by doing in terms of Mm feedback that you got from your major reviews, because typically that's when your mm. development phase kicks
3: in, Uh-oh. and... A lot of restarting still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, development really starts with, not restarting, but breaking down some ideas, and then rethinking of them in a different way. But after the talk with for this semester, oh. I was... I, like, completely shifted a different way of thinking. And then after talking to oh yeah, whatever, professor, I after <laughs> talking to that professor, talking to our professor, and then I shifted it into a different way of thinking. I don't know. There's just so many things that you need to work on before well, before you actually get to the development.
4: Yeah, or. development should be about taking schematic and making it real. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. for example, okay, I want a little... I want a front porch space in front of my building. And what I have is a block with, like, a bench shape on it. Okay, now we need to figure out how does that planter... Uh, how interact with the surface of the wall how does it deflect water off of it what are the pieces and parts that go into making that a real piece of the mm-hmm. building where does the window sit and how does that relate to privacy on the inside like it mm-hmm. start you need to start taking your schematic ideas and turning them into functional architecture
2: mm-hmm. yeah structure <laughs> yeah. structure, structure and construction that's basically mm-hmm. yeah in a way what it is yeah
3: I think going back to schematics too though like you start to think about the grid oh the material yeah. restrictions are because mm-hmm. if you don't know what the material restrictions are how are you gonna actually make it make it to the next more, stage more functional you know mm-hmm. so like if you have a seven foot grid majority of the wood construction out there are like four by eights or whatever so like there's really no reason why you would have a seven foot grid right so, yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, I guess when you get further along in third and 4th year, you're making schematic decisions that you know will pay off
1: later on. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good way to how you described it, though, Abby, is like making it real all of a yes. sudden. Because mm-hmm, yes. going back to what I was saying beforehand, too, like with the sketches where you have your design looking like the floors are a lot thinner but then you get into the development part and you realize oh shoot like in order to fit the structure the mechanical and all these other things i maybe can't have my floor to ceiling height be a foot and a half it should probably be more like three and a half feet Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then that's where you start to have to keep going back and forth in
2: your cycle like it kind of goes in the idea of um sometimes i mean third year you tend to just put poche in that ceiling that ceiling or beat them Mm -hmm. from that separates the floors but in reality there's a lot of elements to it you've got ceilings if you're going to do ceilings but if you've got your structure your secondary your primary and all those things have to be based on your concept it, they have to tie back to mm-hmm. what you were doing for the the how and mm-hmm. the what and the why mm-hmm. and so it's just an interesting process and i think a lot of people to pursue it in different ways and that's i think where your specialties start mm-hmm. to appear as well to some degree you figure out you're really good at development or schematic or mm-hmm. conceptual and, like, yeah. I think some people are learning that they're really good at the development part.
1: Which is why we stress to you guys to talk to each other in studio. Mm. If you're not doing those homework assignments yet, it's time to start doing them. I mean,
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm also very intrigued by your thought on the iterative process of development because mine was very maybe, and maybe I just got lucky and found mm-hmm. that the right solutions at the right thing and nobody questioned mm-hmm. it. It didn't feel like mine was that I say that but then I also changed my, how my mechanical was strategized my mm-hmm.
4: mapping changed in development so mm-hmm. I still had to go back to schematic at so, some point
3: I didn't change that much in development I think okay so schematic I had this idea like the, the sectional quality was there and schematic now how to get and make it real was mm-hmm. not that it wasn't that hard for me in terms of how it was going to be made because okay. i already took majority of the, the work in the schematic and the conceptual part and so putting that into like the,
2: the development part wasn't as hard for me or like a non iterative i now understand what you mean by iterative it takes that much iterative to find out your structure grid yeah. <laughs> but no no no, no. I, I, I i get what you're saying i think your building has to get massaged and yeah. manipulated based on the yeah. problems that you mm-hmm. come across but from schematic to development, I just had a block to
1: represent my staircase, and I just thought it was going to be that way. And then after our schematic phase, our professors introduced to us almost new information. It's like, hey, just so you remember, these staircases had to service both this floor level of the old building and whatever your level is for their new building mm-hmm. construction. And then from that point, it completely like changed my sectional quality of the building because I went from just flat floors to having a split-level thing to address both sides of the elevation Mm. of everything. Mm. Completely accidental, but it ended up being a huge iterative change to my building, which then had to make me go back through and massage everything to make sure, okay, well, now that this floor plan is literally split in half now, I have to figure out where the walls go to make sure that half is addressed and how that works together.
4: I think overall in development, you have to make a lot of decisions about how this thing actually becomes real. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the majority of the work in the development for me, was making those decisions. Mm-hmm. The iterative part of development versus the iterative part of schematics are very different. Schematics are very big picture yeah. massaging, mm-hmm. and then development is very- Tweaking. T- tweaking the, the how, mm-hmm. it becomes, yeah, yeah. how it actually becomes, yeah, how actually becomes architecture. Yeah,
1: A lot of this tweaking and stuff is either front-loaded in schematics or back-loaded in development. That's why for this project specifically for me, the development portion was a lot more iterative than the schematic Mm. one, because I didn't put a lot of forefront thinking into how big the floors should be. So then because I made them way too small, I had to figure out so many different ways to have the structure hidden and the mechanical hidden and the plumbing hidden Mm. and the ceiling still being at nine feet above the floor Mm. plan. Mm -hmm. So if you're smart about it and you learn from experience, it shouldn't take you too much tweaking once you get into the development. So you would have already thought of like what Albert was saying the material grid and like how far can your structure actually span, and making sure that you do some research, huh? Back to you <laughs> <laughs> eh, on your materials and your structure choice to know beforehand how you can start to lay out your building so yeah. you don't have to fix it later. Yeah. But at
4: the same time, not preconceiving yeah. what your building mm-hmm. should be based mm-hmm. on those things immediately.
2: Mm-hmm. There's an additional thing of research you should do during development. And yeah. that's basically taking out the architectural studio companion and being like, yeah. oh, this is how far these things span, <laughs> right. uh My beam is 21 inches
0: deep.
2: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> oh, no. I'm thinking, oh, no. Of, I'm thinking about the, um, the first, like, submittal we did for, like, structure of this project this uh-huh. semester. It's like,
4: what's his face says? Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Is that just dem- two feet tall dimensional lumber? I'm like, Yes,
0: like, <laughs> that's a tall dimensional. I didn't lumber.
2: go for glue lamb, I just said, Let's just do like a <laughs> giant two foot long, let's yeah.
4: use a, wh- a whole
0: tree, <laughs> let's just use a whole ass,
2: <laughs> and that's what said, oh, let's just use a whole-ass tree. I'm
0: like, oh, you're not right. man. He's, just, he's like, just use blue lame. It
2: looks nice. And it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I learned. I didn't realize I this. <laughs> this was early on. That's okay.
4: It. I definitely had some weird stuff.
2: I... Was like, that's so funny. Hey, I learned that stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's why, like, my in
3: the schematic phase, I had... Four foot grids, and also, or like, my ceilings were that were that deep because I was thinking about what actually was gonna go inside those spaces. I was like,
2: and how far my spans were gonna be. Mm-hmm. For how much you were working on your floor plans, you were figuring out a lot of stuff as you're making your floor plans. Yeah, I did a bunch of front loading.
4: Yeah, I was getting worried for a while. I was like, Albert. You know, maybe you should make some other drawings than just plans, because we have to turn
3: this in soon. But I actually, like, produce fast in terms mm-hmm. of, like, what I need to do. Yeah. I just need to figure out a bunch of in the front part so that everything else could be figured out.
4: I do my stuff rather unproductively, where it's, like, I finish one thing to completion, and then I go to the next. So it's, like... I have one drawing done out of 17, <laughs> but it looks really good.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, Professors aren't wrong when they say you should develop everything together, but yeah. I am still I trying to figure out how to I do that. that. I don't believe that.
3: I think you should produce it to 80% and then move on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, well, produce I, it to 80% and then move on, and then if you have time, go back into it and then produce yeah. it to 100%.
2: See, if we were going to do the correct quote from that one professor, it's 90%. Mm Let's not do 90%. That's not 90%, too, that's too much. That's too much. That's too much. I too not get
4: anything done. Lightweight and <laughs> the
2: figures. The, the, the. I, I
4: somehow still pull it off every time. Yeah. But not you're, good. You're
2: built different, Abby. <laughs> she is built different. The, My um, goodness. No, it's just, I I was seeing Ryan with this project, and it's just exponentially happening. I'm like, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. The prophecy. <laughs> the
0: prophecy. is <laughs> <It's laughs> happening.
2: <laughs> I saw Abby's who I was like,
3: Abby, you're popping up. No, Abby just disappears an
1: evening and then come back tomorrow, and she has an entire board done with like half of her. I swear she
2: does. I'm like, I I swear she does not sleep. I was expecting (laughs) it over break. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I I also was expecting it every
4: break though. Yeah.
2: I was expecting Nobody it over did. after Nah, no, I took a break break.
4: Yeah, I was going to say, I took the break.
2: I took the most stressful <laughs> break you ever could. Yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, took
4: <laughs> yeah. I took the most stressful You went to
2: Chicago. took
4: the most stressful
1: break. Never go to Chicago ever again.
2: That trip is <laughs> <awful>. <laughs> to some degree.
3: Oh, no. Yeah. no, I got so nuts. worried when I saw that you guys had like the the car accident thing. Right? Oh, man. I was so worried. I was oh, like... Because no. that was right after I, I told you guys that I got <laughs> right? Yeah. And then... And, and then I saw that, and I was like, oh, they got too excited.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, no.
4: The universe was like, you're not in studio? Yeah. Sucks. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, the universe was like, you're not with your family? Sucks. Oh, yeah.
3: And then, like, the, just
2: be at home with your family. The fact that you guys couldn't even go to any restaurant during Thanksgiving, too, was yeah, just, that like, was that was a fun we time what do you eat we knew that we well, ate Popeyes I was I was gonna say we ate Popeyes enough. at the train station oh no and then we went to the Popeyes and they're like we only have chicken and I'm like I would Wait, hope so, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> can I get a sandwich that's not chicken. I'm like, wait, like, it is it? It's not chicken. <laughs> i like, "No, we only what have chicken." Like the <laughs> like the bone the buckets, the bucket so chicken and stuff. Oh, okay. They had every the whole they had the whole menu and like they, they had chicken tenders a rough didn't paper have patties, menu of just, "Oh, we only have chicken. Here's what those prices <laughs> oh are." Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, you got dipping sauces?" And he's like, "Nah. We got barbecue."
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Oh, it was uh, man, that's
2: cursed. what
3: that's one that of the most funny. memorable moments though like yeah. in your trauma life trauma
2: creates yeah. experience. Yes. <laughs> yes.
3: Won't forget True. it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not happy that I won't be able to forget it
3: though. <laughs> <laughs> it guys uh, look like you're enjoying it for a little bit.
2: Yeah, it, it was moments. I like the run. <laughs> yeah.
1: The fun. yeah. The five
4: K cur- it's the cursed stuff, that the turkey
2: truck. The best yeah. stories. Yes. Yeah.
4: Like me being so sleep-deprived that I stick my credit card in the bill <laughs>
0: slot of
3: the <laughs> machine. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing my ass off the whole time. I was like, Abby, are you awake? <laughs> and then we went I was to do not it. awake and then we went to go get some dinner afterwards <laughs> and I was like maybe I should drive out. <laughs> we were both sleep deprived too and then oh, I was really, like I might not I don't be think I Abby deprived <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I, I may look like I'm more sleep deprived but mentally I think, I think Abby so can't blare. drive right now
2: she was too sleep drunk
0: <laughs>
3: All right. no, just yeah. <laughs> whole, oh my God, that was funny. Uh, yeah, we got
2: off topic. Okay, development. development. I
1: was gonna say the next thing, te- or technically, is the details. But honestly, there's not too much to say about it. That's Screw very case details. by case examples. You're getting too real with the building. To, it's yeah, too real. You have to look at other precedents and other wall sections and talk to your professors like a bazillion times to see if you can actually do a detail oh. like it. Like mm-hmm. it. We can talk about it but there'd be no point to talk I about it. I also
4: don't know what I'm doing yeah. in details still so. Yeah. Yeah. These are my
1: Look at magazines, that's what I'll say. Yeah. At the uh, detail magazines, they are very good. And books. And books and
3: um, yeah. other yeah. Go to the library, guys. Yes. Go to That's the your library. To your local and library. And just copy and it. <laughs>
0: Basically.
1: <laughs> That's the only a... time I will ever tell people to copy something they see in the book is with details, because <laughs> they already figured out how to do it, so you don't have to figure out to do it. That's the only time I look for precedence. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> All sections. Uh, All yes. sections. Yes.
1: yes. <laughs> no, the next part, I think, is something that we can actually get into pretty good, which is, like... The final part, the presentations, the storytelling, Mm. the visualizations, and presenting all of the work that you just did, from the research to your conceptual design to
2: (laughs) your development, and now you're here. (laughs) Details
3: only had like, 30 seconds.
2: (laughs) Do you think that should just be another episode? Maybe. Like, presentations... Mm-hmm. I think presenting mm-hmm. is its own thing, and okay, I think we could yeah. easily the give it th- some tips and tricks, but also I feel like we can do a, a summary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Let's the do the a only, summary. The
4: only thing I'm going to say so, like, I just talked about how I begin writing. I take the writing, I've already basically crafted my story at that point. So mm-hmm. I basically start with the big, dumb box and how I worked all the way through that to make the piece of architecture that I have now mm-hmm. and how my concept carries through the entire thing. So basically showing that giant funnel all the way to the end F-O-R-E. of how the idea is integrated into all pieces of architecture. But in this time, including the stories of like the people that are going to live in the architecture and how people exist in and around this building as well so that you, whoever you're presenting to can empathize with what you've done.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. My summary point on the whole presentation thing would be just have that narrative all the way from the beginning so it makes it easier to tell your story. And then in terms of taking all the drawings, like your elevations, your sections and everything, and figuring out where to put those in your presentation, that story is the key to making your what they call a storyboard in like the film industry, which is where you have just really rough, almost cartoonish drawings of what the characters are doing in a specific scene. But then when it relates to architecture in your story, you're just placing in title this is where i'll talk about my sections and specifically in these sections i'm going to talk about the relationship between this space and this space to each other and you mm-hmm. can see that in this section just making sure that your visuals in your story make sense in the sequence as what you're going to talk uh-huh. about mm-hmm. yeah
2: do y'all feel like you're very confused on how to integrate the development and detailing stuff when we got into those into presentation into presentation. Before this semester. Not I guess. When, like know? we I feel like in our studio we had that one like discussion with our professor where yeah. it was like, how do we use this stuff in the present yeah. mm-hmm. And it yeah. makes so much more sense now. But at that mm-hmm. time I was like, these are pieces that aren't clicking. Like I yeah. feel like at when I started the semester, it's just like, oh, here's my structure
0: next slide
2: <laughs> but you know it's not exactly the case at all and I think it comes with the idea of everything should tie back to the concept and Yes. I think it just makes too much sense you're just going in the deeper and deeper scopes in mm. terms of yeah. what this thing is. I think represents. I figured
4: that out towards the end
1: yeah no, what my professor said really stuck to me because he was blaming us for doing that same thing where we were just like here's my structure 10 seconds later click next slide And he's like, you guys need to talk about how your design is in your details and stuff. Like, I put my concept in my details. (laughs) They're like, no, but the point isn't like, oh, uplifting. So then my details are uplifting. No, it's not like that. It's more of the, because I wanted this effect in my building, This detail that you see in front of you is how I constructed this wall in order to allow that feeling in the building to have that uplifting Mm -hmm. qualities
2: to it. Mm -hmm. I appreciate our professor for giving us that article Mm -hmm. and reading it a little bit. Just like the, you're going to create a trim, you're going to create a reveal in your detailing, and that thing has to ultimately curate the The spatial concept that Mm -hmm. you were... Yeah, or for
4: example, like in mine, I, I made essentially this seating element that had like integrated outlets in it and i was like how the heck am i going to to like bring this into the story it's such like a menial thing mm-hmm. but the entire reason i made that was to invite people to spend more time in that space because it was a community space mm-hmm. it was tying back into because i wanted more people to spend time in community space i created simple things like outlets within the seating mm-hmm. to get people to spend more time in there so yeah. it's like just thinking about why you included that and mm-hmm. crafting it into your story
3: like bringing their laptops over there yeah. their
2: phones
4: well kids with their sticky iPads.
2: <laughs> I didn't know that was called banquet seating. <laughs> okay. Now I knew. Now I know. <laughs> because of the outlets. <laughs> it's because, because of the outlets. Only because of the outlets. Only
3: because.
1: I guess I'll start off with my final yeah. thought. My final thought over the whole like design process thing is, number one, everyone's is slightly different from each other's, but that's not a bad thing. You can learn a lot from hearing how other people go about their process and maybe learn a bit more on how to be efficient with it. Also, in terms of a lesson to take away from this that I would want others to have is to really make sure that you have your why figured out from the beginning, even if it means going beyond the scope of your project and your research and just figuring out exactly what this project is should be for your clients but how it can be even more to your clients mm-hmm. and the community surrounding it of course every project is going to be a little bit different in how that gets interpreted but that's also why you have to do the research to figure it out
3: yeah mm-hmm. i think my main takeaway is do the research front load everything onto the research because figuring out a solution is through the research for figuring out your research and doing all possible like avenues that you need to take so that you understand the people, the the culture, the, the built environment so that you can make architecture is one of the most important things. So I think for me, really hone in on research and how that turns into a concept.
4: Just looking for poetics in mm. the simple things mm-hmm. in life can bring you a long way. And I know that not everyone connects with the poetics of architecture, but just looking into how you're going to start telling your story. And because life is awesome and beautiful, and you can find the most simple, crazy poetic ideas within nature and within culture. So just looking for those cues can give you inspiration to start. And if you start crafting your story from the very beginning, it makes it a lot easier to tell that story Mm -hmm. at the end.
2: Yeah. Talk architecture first, and do architecture, and then end it with architecture once again. Yeah, the design process is very. I landed on like the design process is such a complex and can be and dynamic and can be different for every individual. But as long as you have a really good concept and have that what, why, and how, in that three sentences, start every project with that. If I can give some good advice, and mm-hmm. and what that concept is should be applied to every scale. So don't no, don't drive away from it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Alright. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the Crit Room
1: Podcast. I've been your host, Ryan. I've been your co ho
0: co
3: ho. I'm your co ho, Albert. Just Albert.
0: <laughs> Ryan
3: is now the co ho. I am the co ho now.
1: <laughs> and our and our two guests, Abby and Sully great to be here again thank you guys all right and before you guys click off of this episode please make sure you're actually subscribed or following us and please share this with somebody else because that'd be really cool okay
0: bye